I'm Adam Banerjee, and this is The Motivation Mike. I'm here today with Christian Liados. He's an actor and director. He teaches the Meisner technique. He's also the owner of Team 13 Productions. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I know we were chatting a little bit earlier about actors getting into the craft and how Meisner technique really opens up people's eyes so much. Um, I think we can go a little bit into how we met at Playhouse West, what Playhouse West is, because I feel like there's so much to that story as well that kind of colors it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, Playhouse West is um, is an authentic Meisner school. Uh, it's where Meisner taught himself for almost 10, nearly 10 years. So the guy who taught the technique, invented the technique, taught at this school. So there's nothing fake about what we do at Playhouse West. We've been around now for uh, 40 something years. I, I lose, I lost track, but um, yeah, that's a little bit about the school. Yeah. Also Jeff Goldblum was one of the original founders, right? I remember yeah. seeing that. I was like, holy shit. Jeff, Jeff Goldblum was the one of the founders here. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum and Robert Carnegie. Um, Playhouse West was just a open school for people. They were doing it out of a, out of a music studio in a room at the studio. I don't know. I can't get into specific details. I don't know every <laughs> little detail. I wasn't there, but yeah, it was free. They did it for actors to give back to actors. And it was, it was free. They didn't charge for it for years. And, That's uh, amazing. And that you can still feel that because I feel like even when I first came there, it was like not pretentious. It no. wasn't like this big Hollywood vibe thing where they're trying to charge you $500 a month or whatever. It was just the, the fee was reasonable and you could feel it was about the craft. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that's what made me fall in love with the school because I've been to uh, several schools um, and Playhouse West has been the, the last school that I've attended. <laughs> I've been there for going on nine years though now. Um, but it's the mo. It, it didn't feel fake. Didn't feel like classroom. Didn't feel uh, mechanical. I don't yeah. know. Taking advantage of. You know the feeling. It was just. Um, it was just great for me. And and you know it doesn't go for everyone. Just because it's a great school and all, it doesn't fit everybody. It doesn't fit every actor. Uh, but it fit me. I could tell you that, <laughs> and it fits many people who I mm -hmm. who I've met and have gone there and things I've seen. Yeah. Because I remember it just starting to feel good. Acting started to feel good. I was mm -hmm. like, Oh, you know, this is feeling more natural. It's feeling easier. Like, yes, it's a hella hard work. Like you got to put in the hours, the work, the rehearsal time. But it was like, once you do that, you really start to feel the benefits and you're like, Oh, okay. This is what acting is supposed to feel like. And I remember Robert Carnegie, which I mean, huge shout out to Robert Carnegie. He's a legend. And um, if you don't know about him, I mean, definitely Google that. Um, I encourage people to come. They, they still do audits, right? You can come check it out. We're not yes. being like sponsored or something. This is just us speaking no. about what we love. Yeah. No sponsorship here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Robert yeah. Carnegie would tell us to go fuck ourselves if we asked him to pay us to sponsor this. <laughs> uh, that would be his. Yeah, absolutely. He wouldn't even... He would look at you and walk away. Yeah. <laughs> After uh, all I've done for you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's something about that activity exercise with the door. I feel like is just so eye opening. I remember Robert Carnegie telling me um, it's always you, you know, the character might say Kevin, Troy, whatever. It's still you. Yes. And I feel like that is just incredibly empowering because sometimes it could feel like, oh, you know, I got to put on this thing to be this other person. And it's like, there's no other person. It's always you. Maybe you have to extend yourself to connect with a character that's somewhat unlike you. But at the end of the day, you're the one up there is your being, right? Yeah, uh, that's I, I preach that to my students because we all are trying to do, you know, a lot of people approach acting is like, what do I do for the character? What's the character? 
are, you know, what does the casting director want? What yeah. does the script want? What does the writer want? But it's really, if that was the case, then we could have robots act and program robots. But it's the uniqueness of the human behavior and this uh, of every individual. Um, just like if you gave a song to everybody else, same lyrics, but it all sound different in music or a painting. Everyone will draw that apple differently. Um, that goes in hand with the activity. Everyone does. You could give everybody the same activity in an exercise, but they'll all do it differently. All yeah. have a different reason for it. How would you define that exercise in a simple way people could digest? Because I feel like there's a lot. There is a lot to it. But what's what's a way you could phrase that? I mean, to put it in the simple, it, it gets it, it it gets so complex, but it's really not complex. It mm -hmm. sounds very complex. Yeah. We all look at it. People who've been doing it for years think it's complex, but it's very simple. Yeah, and that is just telling your truth in the moment. Mm -hmm. How do you feel in the moment? How is your how do you feel about your partner's behavior in the moment? your truth to that. And that's all the Meisner technique is trying to enforce you is to be your truth. So what a lot of people do is, oh, well, I wouldn't do this in normal life or this, this is what I would do in real life if someone came to my door or was at my house. But this is not real life. This is an imaginary circumstance. That's um, Meisner's quote, is living truthfully under the imaginary circumstance. And... And if you lived the way that we do Meisner, the way that we have, uh, the work the Meisner technique, you would get fired from your job. You'd have no friends. You definitely wouldn't have a girlfriend. You'd be alone and maybe in jail. Yes. Because you can't operate that way. I had a very ugly Christmas in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, that was, that was, I did Meisner there. I did Meisner. I mean, what happens is you wake the fuck up. Yeah. You wake up. And when people talk to you and you have various experiences, you feel deeper and you really see what the person is saying to you. So if someone is saying something like the words sound like the words are neutral or even if you read them in a script, maybe you would say they look kind, but the tone and what's underneath it is belittling or putting you down. You're like, oh, that's what this person is trying to do right now. They're trying to make me feel small. So that's where Meisner gets intense and you have to, it's powerful for acting, but you also have to like gauge in your regular life because shit could get crazy. Yeah. It carries into your regular life for the good or for the better I've, I've seen it. I've done it both ways myself. Yeah. It's better to me though, as a human being really has, I wouldn't, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing to this day. If it wasn't for the Meisner technique, just not because of her, my acting, but for me as a person carrying myself day to day. Right. And you're I've, not burying stuff anymore. No. And sometimes it can be, it could be hard though too sometimes and it can ruin relationships, but I'm happy that I told the truth though. Um, and I've seen it. I've, I've seen it because what we do is what I was speaking on earlier is we uh, were in, it's forcing us, the, the Meisner technique wants us to be truthful and not be polite. Um, being polite is not being very truthful in the, in the exercise. Um, and I've seen it. I've seen people change their marriage. I've seen people get divorces who are in bad relationships for years. And they went and did the Meisner technique at our school. And now they're, they're happy. They finally, they wow. stepped up to the truth of, of what was happening in front of them. I, I can't, I, I can't go into detail about each one, but someone who is married, I've seen it multiple times end up getting divorced when you knew they were unhealthy marriages. Yeah. Yeah. I guess because without looking at the truth, there's a little bit of a denial of maybe what the other person's doing or saying or how we feel about it. So, you know, to kind of put this in perspective for people, 
on a, on a technical level um, with the activity exercise, people, someone has an activity that should mean the world to them, something that's really important. And there are various levels that, that work up to this, but this is like the essential, right? Um, so you have an activity that you picked, you usually bring in a few items that, um, that can let you do something like with your hands or working on something. I mean, we've seen everything, you know, yeah. uh, it could be as simple as, you know, journaling, or it could be as complicated as like bringing in construction materials and, and doing that. So it's really, it's choose your own adventure with that. But so you have this activity, uh, it needs to be done within a certain period of time. Somebody, um, comes to your door. Right. And then you for have a strong to, reason too, for a strong well. reason. That's very important. So um, and then you have to deal with that. And what's so fascinating with that exercise is you begin to see that most, if not every scene you see on TV is a is a door and activity scene. You're like, oh, this person, even if it's not like literally someone coming to someone's door or whatever, you're like, oh, this person is trying to get work done and their coworker is, is coming at them with something important to them, but they have that activity. If you look deeply, you'll be like, Oh shit, that's the door in activity. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, um, that's, that's about the technique, a gist of the technique. Um, there's so m- there's, there's, uh, you do see it in every movie and you do see, and that's what I tell my students to look for who's the door in this scene? Who's the activity in this scene? But the activity and the door and the reason stimulates stuff, but we don't go into the exercise. So it's not like you come in and people will go, Oh, well I would have asked them what I wanted, but that's not the part of the exercise. It's called an exercise. It's not called let's really live outside the world, you know, or whatever it's called an exercise is what it is and it's exercise a behavioral exercise so you drop the story but you keep that behavior and you go on just moment to moment moment to moment behavior behavior you're not you don't talk like we are talking right now this this would be just us speaking logically but it's just behavior like right now you're listening to me you're really listening to me intensely listening you're intensely listening to me right now yeah <laughs> That's my ADHD. If I don't intensely <laughs> listen, I'll be over there looking at clouds and shit. But yeah, we have, um, you, you, anybody can come anytime and you just sign up for a, 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 an audit and you, you can see a good, uh, in three hours, you'll get a, a big, uh, good grasp of what we do at Playhouse West. But to answer your question, sorry to go back. You're talking about going to the, uh, like being this for the character, doing this for the character. And what I, what I tell my students is you want to bring yourself to the character. What mm-hmm. bring yourself to the character. Yeah. You got to bring yourself to the character and you got to let the character be a part of you. You got to bring the character to you and yourself to the character. Yeah. Does that apply if you're in an advertisement for an Amazon essential product? Yeah, you love Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I approach it. What I mean, I I an Amazon essential worker for yeah, it just depends what did he do? Right. <laughs> What's the backstory? What's the backstory? My plane, Jeff. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's so funny. Um so we met how many years ago? Several years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's been Five years? Yeah. Five years? Could be five years. Um, and I remember yeah, you were easily. like... Yeah. I mean, you were in there very studious, you know, and like you're pretty much carrying the torch because just like Carnegie uh, followed Meisner and listened to him for all those hours and took those notes and then passed it down. That's what you're doing. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been doing that now for for several years this is the new testament baby eight years yeah i've um you've seen me i think i would sit in your beginning class when you were in the beginning and i would just sit in in his class and learn but that's uh that's what's gotten me to be a director though 
and a teacher, obviously, as well at the school. Yeah. But hours and hours and hours. I mean, I went to the school for six years straight. The only thing that stopped me from attending class was COVID. I didn't miss a month for six years. And that didn't include just participating in class. That included me going to just sit in his beginning classes and listen to him. So that's what a lot of people don't uh, understand with my experience. Because, uh, you know, people are, oh, he's a younger guy. He's, you know, he looks younger. How does he know this and that? But I, I, I put in the time that you, that nobody's seen. Yeah, that's true. People don't see, like, the work beneath sometimes that leads to those results. And, uh, I mean, extremely well-deserved yes. you know, that, you're, that you're in there teaching. Um, yeah, I love it. Yeah, how has that experience been for you? Do you have uh, do you share the class with Holly right now, or are you doing the solo thing? Yeah, well, I I co-teach a class with Holly uh, right now. Um, it's an intermediate and advanced class, and uh, so I teach that. Um, and then starting in January, I'm going to have an intermediate class that's going to begin along with uh, another beginning class. Mm. Okay. So Dope. I'll be teaching at every level. I'm curious, like how your teaching style is like, um, I mean, I might've got a little bit of a sense of it because I remember when we were doing like the rehearsal yeah. thing and like you would run the rehearsal class basically. Um, but like, say for example, you see maybe some people that are like just starting intermediate or something. And then somebody's like, I'm, you know, you repeat, right. Or you repeat and then you go off what was just said. So say somebody's like, I'm busy doing this activity. I don't have time for this right now. And then the person's like, well, I'm just going to sit down and thank you for having me. Yeah. How would you react to that? What would you say? Well, well, you, I don't like when students talk about, I don't have time right now. Mm-hmm. Cause then you're getting logical. We're going behavior. It's uh-huh. that simple behavior to behavior. What's the behavior? Yeah. Cause each person, what you just said, didn't really you know, call out the other person's behavior or, right. you know, they're kind of about themselves. I don't have time for this. It's kind of you being yourself. It's hard to say when you give me like a scenario like that, cause I'm an observer of the of behavior. So their behavior, ounce of behavior is a pound of words. So I'm not getting to see their behavior, but just to tell you, I guess, um, is that both people are not being movable. Mm-hmm. So would you... Because the other person's not wanting to leave and they're saying, I'm going to sit here and not listen to you. And the other person's not giving them the time or whatever and not listening to them. So really, you're not you're, you're playing your own story and you're not working off of your partner. Right. So would you interject at that point or would you be like, let me see how this plays out and see if they kind of edge into it? Sometimes I, that happens, right? Over time, like if you let it sit, like they I, will eventually. Yeah, I always I always try to give, unless it's it depends on the students if they've been doing it over and over. Uh, but <laughs> I give students a bit of a, I'll let them get them a second chance more, more so in the exercise and see what other good things that come from it. Because I like to... S- always say something good with something bad no matter what um but with my experience i would have gotten stopped by carnegie right then and there Too st- i've gotten stopped just opening the door and it's over that, you know like i but you know i'm a i'm a little bit more uh, sympathetic for actors i guess i know that that is intense i'm a director's part- actor so uh-huh. so like you said what my technique is, like how would you think of me what a lot of the students have said of mine or, uh, and what I just know is that I'm a, I, I'm very, uh, I'm a director in the room. I'm not a teacher. Okay. Yeah. I like that because you know, I'm looking for, I'm looking for what's in front of me right now. What I need to work with. I mean, I, I have students who I'm, you know, I look at four years from now, five years from now or whatnot, but really I'm in the moment giving them direction. So they apply it to when they, or at an audition or whatever the case may be that they're working on and they're acting. Cause a lot of our actors, just cause they're in class, there are a lot of working actors and a lot of people who are really depending on getting jobs, especially in LA. It's so expensive to live out here. Mm-hmm. So I really try, I, I teach the, I teach the, uh, the technique through the point of view as a director. That's great. Yeah. And I want to encourage people to like, especially when you're just starting out and acting or even, even later, fuck it. 
because it's like if, if you get stopped at the door, like you just started to do something and they're like, no, 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 no. Um, you know, this is this is all wrong. You know, like start this again, um, you know, really see what's going on here. It happens and it's part of the process. And uh, it doesn't mean you're not going to be. In a, in a major feature film the next month. Maybe that is the reason you'll be in a major feature film the next month because you'll be able to show up to those opportunities. I want to kind of go on my own little tangent real quick about auditions because I had been auditioning a lot prior to coming to Playhouse West. And, um, you know, it's sometimes with uh, in the room, you're not necessarily the, re- the reading is more just meant to like see your performance and they're not going all in on the other character. So like as an actor, you can get very caught up into like, it's all me, 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 because I need to produce this thing, this emotion, this character. And uh, they're not, they're giving you a read that's kind of like, Charles, we're getting a divorce. Um, It was great knowing you and thanks for all the time we had. After everything we've been through together. Oh my God. I wouldn't imagine doing something like this, but it's just the seasons are changing. The seasons are changing? Are you high right now? Yes. I am actually high, but that has nothing to do with this decision I make. Your decision is based off because of your high. You see, this, this is a good point. This, what we're doing here and what the t- Magner technique is r- from the start is activating your listening. So you shouldn't ever blame anything on a reader. You should be listening to the words carefully, listening to every word. What gave me that trigger was the word divorcing me. Right, right. So this is a really good point. Obviously, we're, we're doing it. We're, we're, we're <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're in the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're kind of like being comedic about it or whatever. But um, yeah, like when you're getting something or yeah, like Christian's point, right. Is like, maybe the read is like bad and it's like super over the top. I was actually talking about the, the inverse of that, like where people give you nothing, but Hey, that's valid too. You know, you might get a reader. That's, that's like, it's the end of the world today and we need to go to the bunker. Like, Uh, yeah, it's like on face value, you know, you're, you might not feel anything, but if you really just, just step into that imaginary reality and this person is saying that to me this way and and don't block yourself with like this sounds so fake i could never believe that cuz you you won't you won't if you tell yourself that you won't believe it the the people who get the job from their auditions are the people who are really listening people get all into don't people want to work on the script so hard and i know cuz i have a, i've had the bad case of this where i work my my ass off on a script and break it down and this and that. But you got it. When it comes to an audition, you get it the night before you got to rely on trusting yourself. Trust is huge. Trust is everything as an actor or or anything in life. You got to trust yourself that you put in all the work and you just, you, you, you go through the script, you break it down, section it off, see what, what your points of views could be. But what it comes down to is really listening to what's being said to you. Right, right. So that's the big thing too. When you get into the room and after you do something like Meisner technique and really listen, it's like you can start really receiving what the person is saying to you. And I remember starting to feel like, oh, that felt fun. I was like, I had spent so much time auditioning and it didn't feel that enjoyable for a long time. And then after that, I was like, oh, this actually feels good. That's amazing. I love that experience. You know, I, I never thought I would actually like auditioning putting on a little play. Okay, cool. Not just, oh my God, I, I hope I get this job because if I get this job, I'll be able to pay my two grand rent in North Hollywood. I hope I can be a success to my mother. Like, that's not going to help you. Yeah. Get the job or psychologically. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just, it's very easy to get caught up in that desperate mentality too. I mean, there's a lot of desperation oh, out it's here. It's sad. very hard. Yeah, it's very hard. Very hard. So talk to me a little bit about the production company, also directing with that. I know it's been such a uh, journey for you. Um, yeah, so I've been, um, started a production company uh, <laughs> with a friend of mine called Team 13 Productions. Uh, we're both ex-hockey players and try to come up with something clever. But yeah. we both 
ironically both have the number 13 tattooed on us and it's our lucky number and it goes with hockey team 13 uh so that's a little bit about the name but so you guys didn't get like drunk in atlantic city and then decide to get it the tattoo together it was just a coincidence it's just it was a coincidence okay it was a coincidence uh but yeah because we're about 10 years apart uh and i only got my tattoo probably a few years ago or so but anyways um i uh what was your question why did i start it or what yeah just tell us a little bit about it like i'm I'm interested in learning more well anything that i'm making i put it i i, I have it i have it attached to me so um this past summer i directed a bunch of short films um and got people got a bunch of people involved with my short films into my company sound you know crew actors you name it uh, a part of the the business and um and now it's led me to doing this feature film that I'm going to Atlantic City actually to shoot next month uh for a, a for a really fun role that I'm really excited to do but that will my team 13 will be a part of that production so will you so be So I won't directing? be just acting it I'm acting that you're one. acting in it. And are you yeah. doing other roles so, like producer, actor, and then, well, my buddy, who's the per my production buddy, uh, he, uh, my partner, he's the DP for it. And our production company, he's got a ton of gear, which is a, which is a part of our production company. And we're going to be using all of our gear and equipment for their shoot. Okay. So, but that I won't be directing. I guess that's not the directing one. I'm going to be directing a feature in January, though. Okay, cool. Now, is this something that someone you know wrote, or did you co-write it? No, it actually, my partner wrote it. He's a really he's a really good writer. Nice. And um, so he wrote me something that I could direct. Yeah. So for the actors listening, you know, I know sometimes we listen to podcasts. It's like we look for those like little gems of info and like, oh, I picked this up from it. Is there something for the actors, like if they wanted to be involved in your projects, is there a way that you find actors? Is it through your workshops? Not that necessarily people need to take your workshops to get cast, but no. just how do you find actors? I find them. Um, it varies. I find actors all over the place. Um, a lot of a lot of people who I've worked with Playhouse, people who I've worked with is commonly the people that I cast the most people who I've had class with I've done just an exercise with in class or my students even yeah also I like to pick people who I already know because I work with so many actors I mean I work I could work with 60 actors a week mm, yeah and you also know them so well like you also have seen their work and as a director too if you were to direct them it's like you probably know a little bit of how to maneuver that better well, versus a stranger. Yeah. Well, because when I direct, I get to apply the Meisner technique yeah. while I direct. That's so when working with Meisner people is so easy for me to get what I need uh, from an actor. For instance, there's um, there's times on set where I'm not getting something that I need. Not mm -hmm. to say that the actor isn't doing it right. It's just on camera, I need something different. And and for the story, I need something different. And if they have a Meisner technique, they know repetition. And while I'm rolling the camera, I'll be repeating with them. And I know what to say in my repetition to get them to react. Behaviorally, I'll go just repeat with me. And we'll go back and forth on repetition. And then I'll say, go into the scene with that behavior. And then the scene is totally different. Because then I, you know, I could say something. I could say something about their mother. You know, that'll get someone going. Your mom's a bitch. Yeah. Oh, my mom's a... Yeah, you could get you could get right into it. Um, I mean, I don't do that with actors that aren't ready for that, though. I don't... I'm not going right. to make someone uncomfortable. Right. But when I apply that, that's with people that I know know the technique and they know what I'm doing. I don't always go for the mother, though. Don't worry. Right. Yeah, that <laughs> that's just a, a, a strong example. But yeah, even improvising into it, I so much... I just wrote this uh, piece, uh, this short film. It's called Double Dealings that I produced and wrote, acted, directed. And 
uh, and I know my weakness as a writer. So what I did was every before every scene I shot, most of every scene that I shot that really needed specific behavior or just more story or life in it. Cause I wrote very simply, but I told, but what we did was, is we improvised into the scene, just like mm. you do in class. I did that on set with very important scenes and, um, I was, and I recorded it. I record everything. Anytime any actors are talking and we're going like in a scene or whatever, working or rehearsing, I shoot everything and I take that. So a lot of what I have beautiful moments that I could have never written in my life, but it's because I entrusted the actors because they're creative. And I took a piece of everybody's uniqueness and implemented it into my writing with that improv. So I have a little bit of the improvisation with the script and they would go into the scene. So I'd get what I need in the script that makes sense that I need to tell the story because certain things have to be said and done, but I would have so much to implement into that from the improvisation, from the creative improv from each actor. That's deep, bro. I mean, just the... I can't really explain it, but that's that's it. I feel like you just did. Did I? If you understand it, yeah. <laughs> I, sometimes I don't understand myself. So... <laughs> <laughs> so, talk to me a little bit about hockey. Like... What was yeah. that transition? Because I know sports, that can be such a great analogy for acting too. Oh, yeah. Um, when did you get involved with hockey? When did you make the transition into acting? I played hockey since I was three years old. Wow. In Chi-Town, right? Yep. In Chicago since I was three. That's where I'm originally from. Uh, yeah, I lived. Uh, I played hockey since I was three years old all the way up until I was uh, 18, 19. Were you like kicking people's ass when you were three years old? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. My, I can just imagine it. Oh yeah. Me and my friends, uh, our parents will talk about it all the time, how we would just fight each other. Yeah. Just to be first in line, uh, uh, to do a drill or whatever. But yeah, that got up into my, uh, I mean, then I was really fighting people, uh, dropping the gloves, just like you see on TV. That's what I did since they were letting us do that at 15 years old. Or full on fist fight on the ice. And uh yeah, I did that since I was fifteen, really dropping the gloves. You call it drop the gloves. Drop the gloves, yeah. So maybe I should change my production name to that. Drop the gloves production. Drop the gloves. Oh <laughs> man, that'd be intense, bro. Like you could produce like uh MMA content and stuff. <laughs> um yeah, man. So that's that's pretty wild. Like as far as like fighting, um, yeah, how I mean it does seem like that's really ingrained into the sport. And um I'm curious like it sounds like something you kind of enjoyed. Um Oh yeah. Yeah. That's I miss it. Yeah. I I miss what I miss most about hockey. And this is interesting why I love the Meisner technique and why it's good for me. And uh is that I had I had I had a pretty um rough childhood i i grew up under some really uh i mean my i had great parents but i just lived in a i, I don't know how to go about it but anyways i would let my aggression out in hockey mm. so i love getting physical like yeah. i was a big hitter big, i mean i was a great skilled player but i was also because i'm not the tallest guy i was tallest guy on the ice but i could hit people and i could fight mm. people but that's because I had so much in me to let out and it would spark. I mean, you would think I'm a totally different guy on the, off the ice versus on, off the ice. I'm the nicest guy, but on the ice, I am a mean, mean guy. And then that goes with the technique is I, I, I the Meisner technique went so well for me because you could really let out a mm. lot. I mean, I go to class sometimes just because I'm itching to just get something off my chest I feel and I that. go into class and I'll do a scene or an exercise and it feels so good after mm. it's tricky. But what's great about the Meisner technique is there's no physicalness and you both know that that's yeah. what you're both signing up for is you can't touch the other. But that's the, that's my most important rule. Yeah. Just can't touch the other. You could say whatever you want. What if it was Meisner meets MMA and you guys did it in a boxing ring? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Robert Carnegie's the coach. Who knows? We might be in the corner crying. Say how you feel. <laughs> Say how you really feel. <laughs> As you're in the fucking headlock on the ground. Well, yeah, that's where I can't go in because then you got to adjust to your partner. If the guy's crying about to pass out, you got to let him go. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's what hockey, um, the Meisner technique is great for athletes with an athletic background. Mm-hmm. But um, because it's more physical with the activity, you get a little bit more physical, not physical person to person, but physical, like you get to... Uh, you get to be, you, you just, it, it just brings a physicalness out of you. Like when you're doing your activity or, or the, or expressing yourself, it's just, uh, it's like substituting being like, uh, physical with another person, but verbally. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. That makes verbally sense. Verbally and mentally. Yeah. Substitution. So I channel that through into behavior. Yeah. Like I remember I had gotten into a car accident and, um, I had like a one of those crazy ass high deductibles because you save money monthly, so it's like yeah. a fifteen hundred dollar deductible. Yeah, and I was like mentally not in the greatest place. And I remember coming to class. Mr. Carnegie was sitting in the um, the waiting room outside, which is unusual. He usually didn't sit there, but it was kind of cool. We just started like uh, I, I was actually venting to him, kind of like this, and uh, talking about that experience. And then he encouraged me to just you know use use that and bring it and. And even though, cause I was originally feeling like, oh man, there's no way I could do this exercise today. Like with this mental state I'm in. Cause you know, when you're financially strapped and then like you you're also acting and stuff, it can be like, oh man, like I don't, am I in the right headspace for this? But yeah, it was actually, I was like, oh man, that felt very therapeutic. Like coming in and getting that anxiety off my chest. It was like a weight was lifted after that class. Oh yeah. I, I tell, I, I, I told Mr. Carnegie is, uh, I go, I feel like I'm teaching therapy. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, I, you know, that's, I don't, I don't know the exact words that we exchanged, but I just got the gist of like, that's what Meisner, you know, that's what his genius behind it. Yeah. I think it's a really fascinating topic. Um, you know, acting versus therapy and all that type of thing. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a big supporter of therapy. Um, I feel like that is its own thing. Um, at the same time, I feel like it also depends on the therapist. So I'll give it that little caveat, but I feel like sometimes therapy, therapy is not as provoking necessarily to the issue, like what's going on. Right. Like if we were in a therapy session right now, it's like, Oh, how do you feel? Um, what did that make you think of? Do you have any memory about your childhood that might connect to this or a similar feeling? So it can be like a little bit like logical, Sometimes, right? Sometimes yeah. logical or emotional, but, but, you know, like I might be like, okay, well, when, when did I feel like this in my past? And, um, but they're not like digging at you or provoking or triggering you. So sometimes when you're doing acting or stand up, you can get a little bit like, oh shit, I'm being like provoked right now. Or the thing that was bothering me is, is coming up more intensely than it would in therapy, which can be a good thing it can also be a dangerous thing because you've got to keep an eye on that because you don't want to just go acting out your triggers and stuff all the time and not being aware of it. Yeah, like I mentioned, you then you don't have a job, you won't have friends, you'd get fired. Right, right. If you did do that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like if you, but you're basically just... I have an interesting story that go goes, goes that... Uh, that helped that I felt like it was more than just what we were working on and acting with the student just this week. So they're doing an exercise. And after the exercise, I, uh, I asked this girl, I said, you had so much going on in you. Like I could see so much behavior inside you and you didn't let it out. You didn't let any of it out. She was like, and then she started to get, a bit of, of emotion. She's like, I have like 400. She's like, I have 400 things mm. to let out. Mm. And I go, well, those are 400 things that you bottled up and you haven't expressed. Yeah. And then she, and then she broke down into tears in a good, in a good way. And it just really told her that she's been keeping so much bottled up in her and she hasn't let it out. And that's why, uh, that's why it's so, uh, it's great to 
to do that with actors. I, that's the moments I go in and teach for. Um, I don't do it for the money. I, I, I do it for the students to give back and to learn as a director. I, I improve every day I go into a class and teach as a director and actor. Yeah, I mean, that's But yeah, amazing. that moment was awesome to see. That's the moment. That 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 was that's just gave my whole month like it was awesome to see that that she saw that and recognized it and she opened up and just broke down into tears and was vulnerable and I go that's that's the exercise right there. Yeah, you see people grow and just let it out, you know, like stuff they've just been holding on to and I mean in a way that's kind of like it's like the human tragedy that a lot of people are like suppressing how they really feel um, and kind of living this like marginalized life where it's like, I'm, I'm this like version of me, this mask I'm wearing to the world. And that's who I'm going to be like when I wake up and then you see it come out right. And like dysfunction in relationships mm-hmm. and the such, right. It's like, yeah, man, I wish I wish more people could kind of access that. It's almost like a, isn't there like a form of therapy that's like like dramatic group therapy or something? There's like a style of it, I think, that is that. I know there is um, acting therapy. Mm. I have a friend of mine who actually, um, she does that. Mm. I don't know the exact name from it, but I just know there involves acting and therapy. Which makes complete sense because it's like, when you're just talking to someone about, you know, events and things that happen to you versus like actually being with another human being on stage and like communicating to them, like how you feel. And it's under an imaginary circumstance. I could almost see how that would be healing in the sense that maybe you could reenact and not in a, well, (laughs) I'm thinking through like the, the, how to put it. Um, it's like maybe something needed to get said to someone in your past that you didn't get to say. And something about that moment is bringing that up for you. Well, that's you connecting. That's you bringing yourself to the character. That's you connecting channeled because no one needs, that's why I tell all my students, no one needs to know what you guys created as a relationship that gave you this relationship or what you, what's behind all the words that you're saying. No one knows that, but what they are going to know is if you really mean what you're saying. And that's what's powerful. However you concoct it is, is however you do it. But if you find something that's in you, like you mentioned, that won't come out false at all. Right, right. Like that's, um, That right there, what you just said, is really acting, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I remember when you uh, get a little more advanced in the exercise and like how they let you do relationships. Yes. And that's kind of where this thing we're talking about can come into play, right? Say I have a cousin... And my girlfriend or say my ex-girlfriend cheated on me with my cousin. Right. And that's something for me. Totally fictional, by the way. <sighs> you could make the other person your cousin. And then all of a sudden you're getting to express something that you may have not gotten to express. Yes. Because that slight detail of a relationship changes the way you talk, the way you the way you look at that person, what's being said to you, what you're listening to is very just adjusted. Just like adjusting the sound on your microphone right here makes a difference. It makes that much of a difference. Just having that little bit of the relationship on it. Relationships, everything. That's the first thing I look for in anything I direct relationship. Relationships are 80% of the scene to me. Mm, 80%. Just like ice skating Skating, being able to skate and working on your fundamentals as a skater, skating is 80% of hockey. Relationship is 80% of a, of a scene. Yeah. And it's so interesting. Like I love when coaches will be like, I'm really curious about what was that relationship? You know? Cause it's like just yeah. trying to investigate that. You could turn like, something on right now and I guarantee you won't know what the relationship is. They, a lot of people don't jump to relationships. They jump to saying their lines on cue, mm-hmm. you know, or trying to act something that's, that has nothing to do with them. It's some fantasy to them uh, or uh, some fancy. What w- I don't know, but that's the difference. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of like a lot of people get into acting because, you know, they're 
maybe they, when they were younger, they didn't get all the attention that they needed, or that's kind of how they got rewarded with love is, and people looking at them and seeing what was going on with them. They felt seen, you know, and um, I can connect with that for sure. And yeah. it's like, it's a maturity thing too. And growth, because it's like, you go from that manifesting itself, like see me, see me, see me, love me. Like, Oh my God, I hope the audience likes me. And then eventually you're like, you settle in and you're like, okay, maybe those are some of the reasons why I do this. However, it doesn't mean I have to be trapped in that cycle of why I can do it for a new reason. Now I'm doing it for me to bring joy to others, to let people see the human experience. And I don't need to impress these people in that way. Yeah. Um, and I can settle in and it's more grounding. Whenever this, my biggest problem is I try to be good and that's where it all I failed from the start when I try to be good. Whenever I don't try to be good and I just go with it, that's that's when I'm at my best work. Right. I feel you. And it's really it, hard. It's hard. It's tricky because it's like there's the whole other side of it of like not giving a fuck at all and like not putting in work and just like letting whatever happened happen in a lazy way. And then there's the other side of it. I want to be good. Like I, I need to be good for this. This needs to happen. And, um, yeah, wanting people's approval. So yeah, I get it, man. It's, it's like, it's, it's tricky and, and, uh, it's a little bit of a mind fuck because sometimes you, you're trying to like get in that headspace. You're like, I want to be good, but then I don't need to be good, but this should be fine. So I'm just going to go do it. Yeah. And, and then you start trying to be good. Exactly. It's tricky. Do you have any tips for people or me (laughs) about that? (laughs) Well, it's, it's like, um, I don't know if you're on a date and you're trying to be like cool. Yeah. Trying to be good. You're trying to be trying to look like you're rich or yes. Trying. You're trying to do this. The girl isn't going to is most likely not going to fall for you. Yes. That's it. Unless Um, you got a ton of money maybe and you're getting a, having a Butler come drive you around or something, but no. Yes. When you're trying, it shows. Yes. Um, a uh, quick little sidebar on that. Um, I was just doing a voiceover workshop. Shout out to Roxanne Ortega, voiceover actress, and she's at the Groundlings. Um, and I was asking her because this was all focused on voiceover, right? And I've gotten deep into that in the past like two, three months. So I'm like learning rapidly about like what is this like? Because it was like I was I've just been doing on camera stuff for so long that I've been getting like all these auditions and stuff and I'll be like, Oh, confirmed. Thank you. And I'm like, do they even want me to confirm this? Like, do they even care? And like, I've been learning stuff. Like they don't necessarily need you to even email to confirm. They just want the file. Yeah. Like little stuff like that. I didn't know. And then also from veteran voiceover actors, you don't necessarily have to record every audition they're sending you. Like it's not really like into the relationship as far as like with, with my agent here in LA, if they send me an audition and I just don't do it without saying anything, it'd be weird. I, I probably yeah. should like email them. And if there's a specific reason why I don't want to do it, kind of express that. So they know about like the way they're submitting or something like that. Um, but generally I would just do every audition that comes unless it's something like crazy. Um, but with VO, you don't really have to do that depending on the agency, I suppose. But I was telling her like, Hey, you know, I feel like a lot of voiceover actors are doing like five different roles in a show. They're playing five different characters. So I'm like, if they send me a a script and they're like, here are the eight characters, like, should I be reading for every single one of them? Because the person that does that might be more likely to book it. Because even if you're great doing two characters, they might be like, well, this guy can do eight. Okay. Even though that guy did two good. So I was like, what should I do? And she told me something. She was like, please the king. You're the king. Please the king. If you feel good about two characters, if you feel good about four characters, do those four. If you start feeling like, oh, I'm trying to do six because I want to book the job. Trying to don't be good. do it. She's like, don't do that. You can record it and hear, listen to it back, but don't send out what you don't feel good about just to impress them or just with this idea that you're going to get the job. Please the king. I don't know, but I really liked what you said though. I like what she, uh, the advice she gives. I don't hear that from other acting teachers. So it's, uh, so much. So that makes me happy to hear that. 
Because a lot of teachers would say, oh, do every role. Do this. Yes. Do what they want. Yes. And do what they want. What does the director want? What does the <laughs> casting director want? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? No, it's what do you want? What right. do you... And it's not even... Because there's a thing, too, is we want to do these roles that we're not. But you got to know yourself. Right, right. What, yeah. You got to know yeah. yourself and do the thing that connects with you. So I guess this is like speaking to a very niche audience out there that could be listening to this. But like for the actors that are also doing voiceover into that. But it's like, um, yeah, pick what pick what works for you. Because I know in the on-camera world, it gets very into like the reason teachers say that is because actors get called in for stuff and they're like, I'm not right for this. I'm not right for this. Everyone else is different ethnicity in this room or whatever, but you don't know what's on the casting director's mind. You don't know like why they called you in. So I feel like to differentiate it, like VO, they're not necessarily sending you eight characters because they think you're right for eight characters. I think in that instance, they're like, do you boo like whatever works for you you do that okay they're not saying like we looked over your profile and we actually think you're great for a brooklyn pimp and a new zealander who's a chef like they're not necessarily saying that but if you do those accents great and you do those characters great why not yeah you made me think a long time ago i did this uh, my manager at the time sent me the, this audition and it was an audition for like it was multiple different parts and it was like five or six different scenes and I had to have it by tomorrow. And I did all this stuff to do it and it just all sucked. And I was so mad at the manager. I actually stopped. I dropped the manager because of this. Cause I was like, this wow. is ridiculous. I'm going <laughs> to do 15 pages for to like tomorrow of all these different characters. Like, why is there no specific breakdown? This is, this is nonsense. This is nonsense. Cause it all turned into shit. I just made, spent like five hours on just making a pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> like that, I guess to not say it is, but I should have just picked one and went with it. Uh, yeah. But that was years ago. But yeah, I, I, I remember what I was going to say earlier um, with the overworking and I was well, one, I was with, if you know who Scott Hayes is. I know Scott Kahn. Scott Hayes. He was uh he was just in Jurassic World. He plays like the main villain. Oh, okay, cool. He's a really very talented actor. He has some awesome work out there. Um, and I was sitting with him and we were talking about acting and I was at his theater, the Sherry Theater. And I told him, I go, well, I'm at a point where I don't even, you know, I just go over the script and I know what I, you know, it's I don't work on it as much. And he was like, oh, he was like, oh man, I work on it. He's like, I work uh -huh. like, to death on everything I do, which I commend. And that's what I used to be, but it doesn't work for me to do that way. Everyone's then different. I get two in my head. Yeah. Everyone's different. Like I feel like, um, I've been there like over preparing. And then sometimes when I don't know, maybe you've been in an audition and they're like, Hey, we like you actually for this script. Can you also read this one? And I've gone into the lobby for like five minutes with it, come back in and nailed it. And I'm like, Oh, well that was, because evidence. you didn't work on it. That so. was evidence to me. I was like, I'm not overthinking the script. I just was in the moment, enjoyed it, didn't get too caught up on the lines because there's no way you could memorize those lines. There's no, no way. You have well, to go Well, because with then it. you'll go in there memorizing lines. Yeah. Talking, yeah. just reading, you know, yeah. versus so, feeling. So you got to start with the truth. You got to try to enjoy the process at the end of the day, right? If it's yeah. making you feel terrible inside, <laughs> that's that's not a good sign. Go the other way. What, what people don't understand is uh, like people want to come out or people even ask me, Oh, what are you in? Or, you know, what have you done or this or that? Or, um, people don't understand how hard the, the profession of being an actor is. Mm -hmm. It is very, very, very difficult to be an actor. That's why we get paid. You got to think, why do actors get paid so well, get paid more than brain surgeons, mm -hmm. get paid more than, Anybody. Yeah. Really? And get residuals for it. Does a doctor get residuals on a surgery? Does a lawyer get residuals on a case they won? Right. That would no, be crazy. They don't. Actors do. So there's a you know, there's a price to pay to get paid like that. You know? It, it's not easy profession. There's so many people trying to do it as well. 
And it's even harder now because everyone can just do it from their home. People don't have to show up and be on time for an audition and find parking in LA and plan two hours ahead to get to, you know, somewhere that's 15 miles away from you. That makes it even harder now because so many people didn't show up to auditions just on that fact, didn't have money for parking, didn't have money for gas, bus didn't miss the bus, whatever it is, it's separated, but that's no longer a thing now. Cause now you can do self tapes from home. Um, my biggest advice to that to actors is separate yourself from the pack. What can you do to separate yourself? Because there are just so many actors and we can be upset about it, not like it. It's but it is the reality, right? We're trying to say yes and to that reality and then build upon it. Like what makes you unique? You know, like yeah. your hockey background and having that having that as your personal history you know, that's an advantage, special skills, an advantage, um, your ethnic background, an advantage, um, yeah. how you put yourself out there, you know, on social media, you know, if you do comedy, like what type of videos are you posting? What are the themes there? And uh, it comes back to speaking your truth too, because you could do some generic ass jokes or generic ass material, but it's like, you're going to blend in. You know, you, don't one, blend in. you know, one way to separate, this is advice for everyone. One way to separate yourself from everyone hmm. is outwork everybody. Mm, that's deep. Because there is someone that looks like you. There is someone who's stronger than you. There is someone who's prettier than you. There is someone who's, you know, whatever the case may be. But how you separate yourself from those people is outworking them. That's that's what my approach has been, is to outwork to outwork people. Right. And make sure you're putting that work in the right areas. Yes. Because you can work hard towards something that's not serving you. Yeah, absolutely. So like if you're producing content, right? Like produce content that has a point. Like what what are you trying to do with this content? What's what's the purpose? Why are you telling this story? Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, don't don't create something basic and then and then just work your ass off on producing it. Like start start with what are you what are you really starting with at the beginning? You yes. know, it's about the ingredients. You got to accept failure. You have to accept failure. I have failed on every single film I've made with my production company or me as a I've failed in in one way or another. I there is a piece of failure, but I identify what I failed in and I apply it and I apply it and I apply it to the next film and that's what's getting me to finally make good content is because I've failed so many times doing it, but I accepted failure and kept moving forward. Right, right. Don't just rush to judgment. Failure is information for you that you can take forward. And, you know, we're reminding ourselves of this too, as we're talking about it, because it's like, it does take a good reminder because sometimes it is easy to get caught up and I put so much work into this and it didn't turn out exactly like I wanted and it feels shitty. And yeah, it does feel (laughs) shitty. But at the end of the day, you know, now you have more information. Now you can take that next step in a, in a better way. These productions with millions and millions of dollars fail. There you see ADR in films. You see continuity issues in million dollar films. So who am I to make it perfect with, you know, right, right. no million. Yeah. <laughs> with no million. So that's something you got to, people have to, uh, making film it comes down to having a lot more money but when you have a lot more money you got more problems too <laughs> shout out to notorious big shout out to shout out to the big yeah so where can people find you where can people connect with you uh you can find me strolling around north hollywood now all right go into song do it how can you find me like in uh like in person well i don't or- want to create stalkers <laughs> where can you find me i like mean on social media oh on social people, media or if people you know if you if you want to give out email if you feel like that's uh you know too personal whatever you mind. feel comfortable with sharing i don't with mind anybody can con- anybody can contact me anytime um okay. i'm not that uh i don't i'm not that high and mighty not even close so you can find me on instagram at christian liato so you can find me uh on my production company page, Team 13 Productions. Uh, and you can DM me anytime. Anytime. 
Uh, I don't get many DMs, so <laughs> I'll I'll see it. You'll make them feel popular. It's I'll great. See it. It's a win-win for everybody. And if I don't, that's because you got put into the the sketchy section of Ooh, Instagram. The request. The, the request. <laughs> oh sometimes God. I forget to check the request. But yeah, you can email me as well at uh, liatoschristian at iCloud.com. Yeah, he's a good dude. Take it from me. He'll reach out back out to you. Just don't get in that junk folder, which is out of your control, but don't do it. Yeah. Try not to get in there because then I won't see it. But yeah, anytime someone has a question, anything, um, I love to help. So, all right. Appreciate you coming through, man. No problem. All right. Thanks for having time. me. Till next time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.